Well, put your hands together if you are excited for Christmas to be coming. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We are excited today to start our Christmas series, The Thrill of Hope, and I think it comes at a perfect time because I look around our country and our county and I see so much hopelessness. And because of Jesus, we have not only hope, but the thrill of hope. So we'll begin today, next week, and then we actually culminate this series um, at our Christmas Eve services. So let me encourage you now to begin praying, to begin thinking, begin strategizing. How are you going to invite some coworkers, some friends, some neighbors? Um, I've already done that around my neighbors with, uh, with, with treats and desserts. And I put the invite card in as well and praying that God would, would draw them here. I think time to hear hope is right now. Now, God has hardwired the human heart for hope. We're all hardwired for hope. This, the hope to love and to be loved. You know, the hope to find success. The hope to live in freedom, not in bondage. You know, the hope to have a fulfilled future. There is a longing, there is a yearning in the human heart for hope. And what happens when there's no hope, it's, it's a tragedy. There's loneliness, right? Uh, there's, I feel a lostness. There's a feeling of emptiness and despair. And when there's someone has no hope, it's like they're just drifting in life. Like, like they're on a life raft without an oar or a rudder. And they're at the mercy, without hope, at the mercy of like the wind and the waves, you know, and the current underneath us. We just drift through life when we have no hope. However, if you have hope, hope gives life. Hope uh, causes us to dream. Hope gives, gets us excited. And we start thinking about the hope and we we're just fired up. And, and when we have hope, we can continue moving forward. We can continue trying and trusting. And, and there makes a huge difference of when we have hope. However, though, the truth is having hope is hard. Having hope is hard, especially in our American culture, that we want it now. We want it today. And when hope doesn't come to us, doesn't arrive in our time schedule, we just kind of spiral down and we get down and depressed and we struggle. Because having hope, maintaining hope, keeping our eyes on hope is a hard thing to do. It goes counterculture to our desires to have what we want when we want them. But then when hope is delayed and hope is unfulfilled, we struggle. The excitement dissipates. Um, then we begin to ask our question, like, is this, is this dream, is this desire, is, is this longing ever going to be fulfilled? Am I wrong to keep wanting it and looking for it? Should I be looking other places? And having hope and holding on to hope is hard. As soon as sin entered mankind, God gave a promise. Gave a promise to, to Eve that through your seed there will become, there come a savior that will crush the serpent's head. And then when Abraham was around and God came to Abraham and, and said, Abraham, I have chosen you. I'm going I'm to build you a, a, a nation. 
and through your line, the entire world will be blessed. That was the, the promise of a coming Savior, Messiah. And then God used prophets in Israel to tell the nation, thus saith the Lord, this uh, Messiah is coming, a Savior's coming, and he's going to be through the line and the lineage of David. And even prophesied that this Messiah, this Savior, will be born in a little town called Bethlehem. Well, the nation of Israel, when they heard the, 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 the word of the Lord and this coming Messiah, they got all excited and they got their hopes up and, and, and began to dream and get excited that, that no matter what happens, you know, God is going to bring a deliverer. And then nation after nation came and invaded. But they held on to their hope, even when many of them were transported to Babylon. They, they said, Isaiah said, God's going to call you back. And they, they held on to that hope that we're going to come back home to Israel and the Messiah is going to come, our Savior is going to come. And they held on hope. And then the Persians came. And then Alexander the Great came. And the light of hope began to diminish. And then God went silent for 400 years. No angel visits, no dreams, no visions, no prophets from God saying, this is what God told me. God went silent. During the darkest of days, in that 400-year period, then Rome came in and dominated the entire nation of Israel. And it seems like the hope died. The dream was gone. Hope died. And then God sent an angel to a young, virgin, teenage girl called Mary. It said, God has chosen you to deliver, give birth to the Messiah, the Savior, which kind of rocked her world. Wait a second, I'm a virgin. Exactly. God's going to do a supernatural event. Not a human event, a supernatural event. And a glimmer of hope sparked again. And, and then it began to grow. And, and this wonder and awe and excitement of, of hope being resurrected. And what happened as a result of when that hope came back again, that God caused a reaction. It was a God-given, God-designed reaction of when we realize that hope is going to be fulfilled. There is a God-given reaction, a human reaction, when hope is fulfilled. Now what I'm going to have you do is turn, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to jump around the Christmas story, and I want you to see if there is a reoccurring pattern of a reaction when hope is is fulfilled. Again, this is a God-given, God-designed human reaction when hope is fulfilled. So when Mary was told that God has, has chosen you to give birth to a, uh, the Son of God, and it's going to be a divine experience, and you, are, you will call his name Jesus, after that moment of shock, you know, dissipated, she reacted. She had a reaction to hope being fulfilled. And she wrote a song, which is referred to as Mary's Song. 
So I'll read you a little bit of it. Chapter 1, verse 46. Verse 46. Mary said, this is what she wrote, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. I just gave a portion of that, but she had a reaction to hope fulfilled. Now, when the angel, God sent one angel to the shepherds, you can turn over chapter 2, to the shepherds and said, hey, today, in the town of David, like right around the corner, a Savior has been born. And so when the angel gave this declaration that hope of a Messiah has been fulfilled, other angels from heaven reacted. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. A whole host of angels reacted, a heavenly reaction. And then the, then the, the shepherds said, well, let's go see this, what God has told us happened. And then when they saw the baby Jesus and what was prophesied moments earlier happened, they had a reaction when they saw hope fulfilled. Verse 20, chapter 2. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They had a reaction. They responded to hope fulfilled. Well, a number of days later, according to the Jewish law, Joseph and Mary brought baby Jesus to see the priest at the temple. And there was an elderly man by the name of Simeon, and he also had a reaction when his long, lifelong prayer was answered with the Messiah. Look at verse 25, chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law, uh, what the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I mean, I can die in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He had a reaction. There was an elderly lady by the name of Anna there as well, who was, who was close to God and followed God and worshiped God. And then she, when she met uh, the Messiah, verse 38, she had a reaction. Coming up to them, that's Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and Simeon. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all 
who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She had a reaction when hope was fulfilled. Now, many people think that the wise men showed up in the manger. Sorry, it's not in the Bible. Months and months and months and months later, possibly even two years later, we see, if you want to jump over to Matthew chapter 2, we see the wise men and their reaction when they understood that the hope of the Messiah had now been revealed. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So if you've seen the pattern and the, the kind of repeating itself, the reaction when hope fulfilled, you'll see that there is a pattern on all these the characters in the Christmas story. So if you missed it, let me show you. Mary had a reaction when she was told about the coming Messiah. What she, what, how did she react? She said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The angels reacted at the news that the Savior had been born. Their, their reaction is they appeared with the, the single angel praising God and saying glory to God, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. They had a reaction. The shepherds, when they saw Jesus, had a reaction. They returned glorifying and praising God. That was their reaction. And then Simeon had a reaction. He says he took him in his arms and he praised God. Anna had a reaction. She gave thanks to God. If you're taking notes today, here's a central point. Hope fulfilled, hope fulfilled triggers a natural reaction to worship. I miss the wise men. They too worship God. Hope fulfilled triggers, it's a trigger from God, it's a natural reaction to worship. I don't know if you've ever seen this pattern played out in the Christmas story. It's been there all along. But just as I said that God has hardwired our heart for hope, God has also hardwired every human heart to worship. To worship. What is worship? We think it's like some spiritual word. No, it's a response. It's a response to someone or something happening that is worship. Here's the problem, especially if you've grown up in the church. Not all of you have, which is, which is you know, that's, that's great. I love it. We limit worship to a period of time in a church service. Worship is way beyond that. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is reacting to God and the things of God all the time, not just, okay, now for the next 12 minutes, it's a worship time. So, so when we worship, what are some ways we respond? Here's some examples. There's times we sing. Sometimes we, that's, all we, that's what all worship is. No, that's one response. Shouting is a response. Lifting hands in psalms, all through psalms, is a response. Cheering, woo-hoo, 
That's a response. Applause. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God, the voice of praise. That's a response, even from a recovering Baptist. It is a biblical response. <laughs> Words of acclaim. You're awesome. That's wonderful. That's worship. Fist pump. I don't know if it's in the Hebrew, but I think it is. It's a physical response when something good happens. Okay? And giving money is a response. So, again, we limit, and I grew up in this, and I'm trying to break out of this whole concept in theology of worship. We, We limit worship, and we think... That worship is just a period of time in a church service. Man, God is bigger than that. And it's a human response. It's, it's wired into every human. Now let me ask a very deep, serious question to all you Seahawk fans. Last Sunday afternoon, on the last play that my team had the ball on the three-yard line, and it was, the pass was knocked down, how did you respond? You shouted. You lifted your hands. You cheered. You applauded. You claimed, ah! you lost your mind. You fist-pumped. And some of you are at the game, you already gave money in support. And you worshiped. And then some of you then sinned. Because you started laughing at your pastor and mocking him. See, God knows that you need to repent of that. That is a response. I doubt it if I doubt one single one of you, when that happened, you went, amen. (laughs) No, no. Even falling on your knees in Psalms is is worship. Some of you probably fell on your knees at TV. Yes, I hate that team. So you sinned again when you said that. See, God has hardwired us, not only for hope, and we want something, we want something that's coming. And by the way, biblical hope is always based on the promise of God. It's always based on the promise of God. That's why they were hoping for a Messiah, because it was a promise of God. But God has wired in every human heart to worship, to respond. Even in Romans chapter 1, one of the, one of the darkest chapters in the Bible, um, here, here's what it says. It says, for although they knew God, these people, they know that there is a God, but they neither glorified him. I'm not going to worship God. I'm not, I, I don't acknowledge him. I know he's there. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the idols they made with their hands. Then it says this, and they worship, and they served created things. Rather than the creator who is forever praised. See, God is hardwired in every single heart to worship. And we have a choice in what we worship and whom we worship. But we all are worshipers. And something will trigger a response. 
whether it's toward the direction of God or toward something far, far beneath the wonder and glory of an almighty God. Now, as I have grown as a worshiper of Jesus, and I'm still continuing to grow grow in this, I have preached about this. I have pleaded, I have prayed, I have prodded, and I even pushed some of you to worship and have more response. More importantly, I've been trying to model, model what worship is. Just even in a service, that there's all sorts of ways we can respond and express praise and wonder and glory to God. That, that is singing in a song. That is singing in a song. And one of my passions and even prayers is that more men who say they're followers of Jesus would actually sing. I mean, we're commanded to. And I tell you, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, maybe not in this service, but maybe because I've been teaching and studying on heaven and all this sort of stuff and my dad is there. But I still remember the powerful influence of my father who could not sing. He only had hearing in one ear. And he was a horrible singer. But I was in church. In a tile auditorium with like the hard chairs. And I was a middle school student, and they were singing hymns, and I'm checking out, and I'm like, these are boring. I don't like these things. I don't know if I buy all this stuff. And during a song, I turned and I saw my dad making a joyful noise, and that's a literal statement. <laughs> he was singing from his heart from the wellspring of his relationship with Jesus, and it sounded terrible. But as a middle school student, I thought this. If he's in, I'm in. Dads, if you can shout and cheer and jump and all this for your sports team, make sure that you're modeling for your kids and your grandkids that Jesus is more worthy of that. So... So yeah, singing, singing, and, and stop worrying about how, how you sound, and God, just sing. But that's one way. I've been preaching and prodding and modeling. But it's also, even during the song, it's okay to cheer. It's okay to cheer during the song and after the song. And you are not cheering for the singers and the players. And I'll tell you, talking with them, they don't want it. They're not doing it that way. Now she's making it very clear what we're doing. We're worshiping Jesus. But during a song, when the truth of God's word and the hope of Jesus is fulfilled when he died on the cross and he rose again, it's okay during a song to cheer and to clap. And when the song is over, like, yes, that is God's truth. Woo! Yes, that's worship. And it's okay. Even, and we're getting, you're, you're kind of coming, kind of coming. Even during the preaching of God's word, when God's truth is proclaimed. It's okay to, woo, yes, yeah, and it's not to me. Can you applause me when I get home? Okay, not, not really, not really. I am so passionate about God's word. It's the truth of God's word. If you're new to Grace Point, everything we do here is based upon God's word, and it's okay to respond in worship to the powerful, life-changing, eternity-altering truth of God's word. And then there's giving financially. This is not a worship service. Oh, that's the giving segment. No, it's all together. If God 
is, is using his word and his truth and his church here, and he's called you here. We give financially in worship. It's a response. God, for all that you have done, this is what we're doing back. We're giving back to advance your truth to increase your kingdom. See that? All that response. So hope fulfilled. Hope fulfilled triggers a natural reaction to worship. So when God answers a prayer in your life, worship. When God adds, you know, you see some, some, some good character building process happening in your kids or your grandkids, worship. Thank God. Praise God. When God gives you a surprise promotion, don't go, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the man. No, no, thank you, God. Every good and perfect gift comes from uh, our Heavenly Father. Respond. Have that natural reaction, that trigger to worship God. So as you see, as, you, as, you, as we sing and, we, and you read the Christmas story, all these characters, when they realized that the hope of a Messiah was fulfilled, they had all had a different but a human reaction, even angelic reaction to worship God because the Messiah had come. Has the Messiah come? We're going to close today with responding. Yes, it is possible for your pastor to teach shorter because we're going to, we're going to sing and, and that type of worship. But I just want to remind you that if you're a Christ follower, we worship. It's not oh, the Christmas story again. No, no, no. We worship because a promised Messiah actually came. That's why we worship. Glory to God. Glory to God in the highest because a pro promised Messiah actually came. And, and, and we worship God because the promised Messiah came for the whole world. It's something you haven't talked about. For all the generations and even Gentiles. It's not just for Jews. A Messiah came for us to be saved. And that promised Messiah who came left this earth with a promise that I will come back for you. And so we can praise God. Let's stand and let's sing in worship and response to our great God. Amen. Let's put our hands together. the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Yeah. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross. 
Then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Hallelujah. And we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. And we were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Cause we were the beggars, and now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, and now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. There's joy in this house. We shout out your praise. He 
a shout of praise for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The same God who was born in Bethlehem is the same one who was there before the beginning of time. The same one who's going to be coming again soon for you. Let's continue in worship today. Hallelujah. You were the word at the beginning. One with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation Now revealed in you our Christ And what a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, what a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King, what a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Your name is light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. You have no rival and you have no equal. Now and forever, God, 
in every season, in every circumstance. God, you never change. And so our worship should never change. You are worthy of it all, God. We thank you for today. We thank you for the reminder of where worship comes from. It's a response to who you are. Thank you, God. I pray for our services coming up, that, God, you would be present, that you would change lives, that you would impact our church and Kitsap County and beyond. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you're a guest with us, please head over to our guest service counter. We have a special gift for you. And as you go out, we have invite cards for our Christmas Eve services. Please take one, take two, hand them to friends, hand them to a stranger, hand it to a coworker, and bring them to our Christmas Eve services. Have a wonderful week. God bless you all.